For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. On our second offering this week, it's just me and Cole. So basically, Cole, I guess the theme is having a bloody good moan of what happened at Old Trafford last night. Therapy, mate. Therapy session. We haven't had one for at least, what, two, two weeks now? So <laughs> we, would, we would do one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, that sort of um, that happy aura that was around the show last week and on Monday has been dissipated completely. Anyway, <laughs> so before we whinge and everything else, let's get the social media bits out of the way. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come On You Spurs app where you can get the podcast the morning after it's recorded. So that'll be Friday morning for this one. You can follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at C-O-Y-S underscore C-O-M and we're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, blah de blah You get the idea. Right then, let's get down to business. And that business is a raft of listeners' questions at first. A huge shout to everyone who sent them in. So we'll rattle through those. And where should we start? I think a lot of them are going to be midfield-based, Carl. So first up, Jack Law asks, is Harry Winks Jack Rodwell in disguise? He's finally injury-free, but it seems like his game has gone backwards. What's your take on that? Yeah, I kind of, um, I think, you know, that that's kind of the opinion I've, I've been holding the last couple of weeks, you know. Uh, he was looking at a real prospect at one point, wasn't he? But it does just seem like, you know, this season, over the last month or so, his game's kind of stalled a little bit. Um, and I think he just kind of causes us some problems now when he's there because he kind of seems to just slow the game down too much for us. Um, and then obviously he's not helped if he's then partnered with Sissoko um, in there because those two just don't seem to be able to form the partnership we'll need. Um I'm slightly worried that, you know, the Roy Keane, he's just a steady Eddie, could be that that is all the player Winks could become for us. You know, one of those, he'll do a job. But, you know, if you've got aspirations for titles and higher prizes, then you might need to look for someone better. Um, so it's disappointing. But, yeah, he, he will need to pick his game up if, if he wants to continue, because I don't think Jose will put up with it for too much longer. And at Ferndogger1 sort of builds on that question... And also asked what type of players are Winks and Sissoko. And I think the general theme coming off Twitter last night was you can't really play those two as your double midfield pivot, can you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you think, Dan. For me, neither of them really offer the, the sort of creativity or the that sort of dynamic in the midfield that you need. You know both of them will give you everything, won't they? You know they'll both run all day for you. They'll battle um, and, and they'll do a solid job. But they don't give you anything where you go, oh, yeah, well, you know, these two, they break up play so well and they, you know, they, they distribute it so well. Um, and I just think, you know, the minute you see both of them two lining up together, you kind of think, oh, this, 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 can, this might not go well. Um, I, I think that will be the last time we see that pairing, to be honest, last night. Yeah, I don't know what you think about that, Dan. Yeah. I, I don't think we'll see them two partnered again. Yeah, I think in the sense of those two in the middle, I think that's almost like an expensive lesson learned last night. Like you've tried it and it has failed. And I think ultimately, when you've got Winks or Sissoko alongside someone else, that's absolutely fine. But when they play together, they almost cancel out what attributes they've got. You know, then you neither get any goodness of either player. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. I think, like as you say, they're, they're so similar that, as you say, if you partner one or the other with, say, a Tangai 
or someone else, then you've got that little different element in there, haven't you? And someone maybe more direct. But as you say, I'm I'm with you, Dan. Both of them together for me, it, it, they just nullify nullify each other, and it's at the detriment of the team in the end. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And in terms of Ndombele, at Jesus underscore Hinojosa one asks, what do Ndombele and Lo Celso have to do to start over the likes of Sissoko and Winks? Because, I mean, we had a quick bit of dialogue, I think, at half-time last night, and you were sort of saying, well, if only we had a £65 million midfielder on the bench. And it makes it's, you think, well, what is going on? It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, uh, there's not many teams in world football that would sign a player for that sort of money who isn't the first name on the team sheet every week. And, you know, you're building your side around. Um, but we've kind of brought this guy who... You know, I, I don't know about you, Dan. I never knew, I never saw that much of him other than some clips that you're seeing where you think, well, yeah, you know, some of these clips look great, but, you know, you can make any footballer look great in a kind of five-minute YouTube clip. Um, but we heard all this good stuff. But since he's come, you know, he doesn't look like he can last more than 10 minutes before he's puffing and, you know, looks like a Sunday league player who needs a fag, doesn't he, at half-time. Um, uh, but... He should be starting the more games. You know, he's got to play. And last night was one of those games, you know, a bit like the Liverpool game, where you're just thinking, well, surely this is a key game you play that player in. Um, and I think, as we did say at half-time, didn't we? I would have had him on from half-time at least. You know, I wouldn't have hung around and waited. Um, so it's a real strange run with Tanguy because you just sort of think it can only be fitness maybe that they're looking at thinking, well, we don't think he's fully, you know, adjusted and ready for this you know, the physical demands, but you've got to get him in there now, you know, and again, last night showed that, you know, he needs to be playing week in, week out for me now, and that's the only way you're going to build him up. Yeah, I mean, in a sense of his sort of reputation, I think everyone was so excited. I mean, when he was at Leon and, like you said, his highlight clips, you're thinking, bloody hell, there's a midfielder there, and then he sort of linked the likes of Man City, and I think a lot of people got sucked into the thought of, well, if you've got a player that Man City are after, what a coup, but spending 65 million... He's not looked a portion of that at the moment. And a lot of it is down to fitness. I don't think he's a complete bust, like nothing near that. Obviously, there's still a lot of time for him to come good. But you are looking at it now and thinking, when's he going to get that opportunity? Dare I say, the League Cup would have been perfect. You know, those kind of extra minutes. But now we got dumped up by Ch Colchester. We haven't got that. So it's almost like an apprehension. Like, do I play him? Is he fit enough? It's like chicken and egg, really. You can't get fit until you get the minutes and so on and so forth. So it's a difficult situation but like I said I think the fact that Winks and Soko as a pair was so abject last night that Saturday might be finally when he's thrust in and that might be hopefully the time where he takes that opportunity but we move on so at rundown a a simple question but quite important he asks why can't we make a pass <laughs> yeah uh, um last night the football was just dreadful full stop from first minute to last wasn't it you know um I don't know. It, it was just dreadful. And to, to be honest, though, the worrying thing was there were points against Bournemouth where the passing, and we're talking real simple passes, were, were really bad as well. Um, I just think when you're off your game like we were last night, nothing comes together, does it? You know, I don't know what had gone on. I know Deli Alley came out, didn't he, after the game and said, you know, we, we may be a bit too cocky. Um, but no one was on it. It was just dreadful from the first minute. There's no no real positives you can take from the performance other than Addy's goal, in a way. Um, and it just has to improve, you know. I think, you know, the only good thing there as well, 
Jose would have seen that. He's come out and said, you know, we've got to start starting more aggressive and be more on the front foot. So we just have to hope that there's a lesson learnt last night and we see Saturday against Burnley that maybe there's a that it might light the fire of ignition and get them going again. But the football is just dreadful. And, you know, I think even Gina said, didn't he, match of the day, couldn't string two passes together. And, and, and that was the truth. John Hato asks, why is Ericsson getting so much minutes at the moment? He says, John, that he clearly doesn't want to be at the club. His performances are poor. In his mind, he shouldn't be playing at all. This is a strange one, isn't it? I mean, do you think, Dan, there's a chance that Jose might be just thinking, well, you're a, yeah, a kind of senior player and someone that I know possibly can come on and do a job? Um, is he still hoping to tempt him to try and win him over? I mean, what, what do you think on that, Dan? I can only assume that he is just thinking, you know, maybe I'll see if I can get something out of you. You know, me coming here, will it, will it, can it change your attitude and will you give me something like your old self? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what you think on that, Dan, because it, it does seem strange. Because if, if he has now said and, you know, made it clear he's not going to sign, then you would assume that it, really you do just move him on and, you know, Lacelso comes on ahead of him. Yeah, I think, let's be honest, Ericsson's not going to stay at the club. You know, whether he goes in January or at the end of the season, trying to sort of give him minutes here and there to convince him to stay, that's not going to work. I think the sense that you've said that he is in inverted commas, a seasoned professional, you know, someone who has experience and should be able to do a job. And he's not necessarily someone who's going to throw his toys out the pram. But yeah. when you're trusting someone to do that job, it's quite apparent that he's not even fulfilling that task at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think, as you say, as each performance comes on, you are now sitting there going, well, look, listen, someone's got to make a final call on this bloke now and either say, well, that's it. You know, we, we've, we've tried, we've brought him on, we've tried to give him a run. It's not happening. Let's move on now. We've got this. We've got the cell. So we need to make this guy the first guy we bring on and give him more minutes. Because until that happens, we won't even know if this the has got what it takes, will we? We're all still sitting here at the moment, going, "Well, is this the cell any good?" Because we just don't know yet. Um, so I think we have to make that call that let's just get the Celso in now and start, you know, prioritising his development and seeing what he can bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily advocate Ericsson like, you know, rotting in the, in the reserve. No, definitely like. not. But you no, are right not. in the sense that when you're sort of looking down the barrel and you think, right, I need a change, like last night, you'd be looking at the Celso as your number one sub to see what happens. Obviously, they both came on last night. But in this sort of situation where you've got Ericsson who has mentally checked out already, there's no doubt about that. And you've got someone who has also been sort of touted, admittedly been bought by somebody else. And you're sort of thinking... I think everyone is asking, well, what does he actually do? And like you say, until he actually gets more minutes and is in the pecking order further up, then we're not going to know really, are we? And we're sort of almost costing ourselves the potential of a good player, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, isn't it? If this guy has got what it takes to kind of fulfil that role and develop into a real key player, then as you say, right now, if there is any element where he felt, well, I came to this club to play for Pochettino and now he's gone, mm, I'm not so sure, then as you say, denying him any chance of you know making an impact or coming in is only going to dampen those spirits for him. And obviously, if he is on loan, then you just don't know that suddenly it is like, yeah, actually, I don't think I want to stay here now. And we, and we could be about to miss out. Whereas if he gets the minutes and can see he's possibly got a future, then, you know, he may say, well, yeah, I'm happy to stay here now, you know, even though Potches are near. But I think I think we have to make that call that he, get, he starts getting more minutes. OK, let's look at left back now. And Caleb underscore base nine asks, what is the best option for that position? Obviously, David 
Davis isn't fit. He says that Jan is great at defending centrally, always good with the ball at his feet and all that, but easily beaten for pace. That was quite obvious last night at left-back. So, admittedly, he doesn't offer much going forward, but do you go for that more steadier pair of hands? Do you go for Rose, again, who's also perhaps mentally checked out, or start bloody in Sessignon? Yeah, well, the injury to Davis in that West Ham game was possibly the biggest blow we've had for a little while because he looked really solid in that position in that first game, and that, that was a massive blow. I be honest. Last night, to be honest, Dan, I think I, you know, probably I said on Twitter that I'd have had that Sanchez off after about half an hour because he was just an accident waiting to happen all of last night. You know, giving it away constantly. You know, getting caught out. Um, and I just don't feel confident with Sanchez there. And if you ask me right now, if you gave me the option on Saturday, I would probably put the pairing of Vertonghen and um, Toby together in central defence again and bring Rose in. Um, I'm, I'm not sure Sessignon is going to be the answer there because, uh, you know, we get the impression he's maybe more of an attacking player. Um Again, we won't know till we actually get to see this guy play and see what he can do. But for me on Saturday, I would stick Yan and Toby together in central defence where I think they're that bit more solid um, and probably deal with things a little bit more, you know, more confidence in what they do. And I'd bring Rose back in at left back because um, I still think, obviously, if you can get Rose going and get his head right, then he can still offer you something in that position. Um, and I'd feel a little bit more confident in the central pairing that we'd have in Vertonghen and Toby. I don't know what you think, Dan. I mean, I, I don't see Sessignon playing there. I think he's got ideas to push him further forward. Yeah, I mean, in sense of um, Saturday, you've got Burnley, who will be one of the only teams who play two up front. You know, should they play Barnes and Wood that you would expect them to do, then you probably want your strongest centre-back pairing being the sort of yeah. two, two, being the two Belgians. And I think if you try and play... Jan as that sort of square peg in a round hole, then you're really costing yourself at the back as well, aren't you? Yeah, and, and we know, don't they? Neither of the neither Wood or Barnes are going to probably trouble you pace wise on Saturday. You know, the you can see the idea with Sanchez might be he's got those he's got legs about him and can cover the pace side of it. But Saturday. Burnley won't offer that. You know, it won't be over the top that we'll get caught out. It will be airily. Um, and Sanchez does have a habit of getting kind of bullied off the ball sometimes. So um, I agree with you. I, I would go with the two central, you know, the stronger central pair, I think, airily for this game on Saturday. Um, and and I'd probably feel a little bit more confident with that. OK, the last of the listeners' questions. It's name cannot be blank. And he asks... Do you think there's any real evidence that morale has improved since Jose has come into the club? Or is the first 20 minutes against Olympiacos and last night showing proof that this is more a player problem rather than a managerial one? Yeah, I, think the, I think the hardest thing at the moment we've got is, I guess one of the problems, and we don't really see it as much, is when you think the amount of games we've played since Jose's come in, he hasn't really probably had the time on the training pitch, has he, to implement what he might want to implement and start working on a shape and working on things because they're probably going in and doing as minimal training as they can to keep fresh. Um, and obviously this is the problem if you come in halfway through a season to try and change things. So I think it's a player problem. 
Um, and obviously we know, you know, we're weak defensively and we desperately need some, you know, a couple of fullbacks. Um, you know, we may possibly need to start looking at a goalkeeper because I, I've started to get some concerns around that area with Gazaniga at the moment. Um, so I just think, it, I don't think it's Mourinho going to be the problem. I think it's just he needs more time and he's going to still need a lot of time to be able to get to work on them. And the fact that with the games you've got coming up, you don't have the time on the training pitch to start implementing stuff. That is going to be what causes us the bigger problem. Um, the only thing I do want to start seeing is I, I know we've got this, you know, Jose is being nicey-nicey now, isn't he? Because he doesn't want to come across as that old Jose. But I do want to also see we brought you in for a reason, mate. And that is we want someone who might have to be a little bit cutthroat if need be. And if you see players who are not doing it, then there's no point hanging around. You know, I don't want you to spend too long wasting time just so that you can come across as the nicey-nicey man. Get in there and do what you need to. This is going to be my exact next question, actually. I mean, it's fair to say that after last night, the honeymoon period has ended. It's not being over-reactionary or throwing the baby out of the bathwater, but that sort of warm glow around winning matches, it always always going to end at some point. So I was going to sort of say the same sort of thing, that you can't give a manager £15 million a year just for a charm offensive. Now is when the hard work really starts. Yeah, I think you're dead right. You know, uh, you know, we brought this guy in because we believe he's got the characteristics and the way he is, you know, it, you know, he's got this tagline that he's a winner. Well, he's a winner because he hasn't messed around. And obviously that game against Olympiacos, wasn't it, where he makes that early sub is where it's like, listen, it's not working. I'm changing it. You're not doing the job or someone's not doing their job. Someone's coming off and I'm going to buck you all up. That is what we've brought this guy in to do because we believe that is what has made him so special. So as you say, Dan, I don't want him to start wasting a season just because he wants to try and win the press over. You know, if you've been successful because you've come in and you've not been scared to upset people and ruffle feathers, that's the manager I want now because that's the manager we've brought you in to do and what we think the club needs. So, yeah, don't don't pussyfoot around for too long. We understand what you're trying to do. Um, but at the same time, what, what, what I feel and what some of us all feel the club needs is that change in mentality where we become a bit more cutthroat, a bit harsher, and those who not pull in their way don't get sat around as long as they have been. And we don't have the kind of like, well, you know, Potch's favourites, no matter how you play, you're still been the next week. We brought Jose not to do that. You know, if you're not doing well, you're coming off after 20 minutes, half hour. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you, Dan. You know, for me, it's like, it's all nice. We understand He's going to say all the right things and that right now to try and win everyone over. But I don't want it to last too long, especially if, you know, the performances are not what they need to be. Do you think everyone connected with the club last night were guilty of being over complacent? That could be fans, manager, players. It almost felt like we were going to win the game as soon as we took the field. You know, after winning three games in, let's say, a swashbuckling manner, it was like, you know, yeah, United on the ropes. This is it. We're probably going to kill off Ollie as well. But obviously that was far from the case. I, I was amazed that they kind of would have that attitude, given the way the two, you know, the, the three games had gone in the fact that, you know, two, the two league games, we nearly blew them right at the death. Um, and then obviously the Champions League game, you know, you thought it was going to be a walk in the park. And then before you know it, you're two down, staring down the barrel. So you would kind of have hoped that those little warning signs would have made them say, listen, we can't afford to be complacent. So 
I find it really weird that they then went to Old Trafford believing, well, this is a walk in the park. Maybe the injury list that United had made them think, well, actually, you know, we have just got to show up here because they've got so many injuries that, you know, we'll walk this. Um, and it's disappointing because we're not exactly a club like Man City, are we, where we tear teams apart week in, week out. And you do think, you know, that is a club that could turn up and just think, well, just by being here, we've won this game. So I'd be disappointed if they took that. And again, disappointed that a new manager has allowed them that early in his reign to, to kind of be that blasé about a game because it, it's still Old Trafford. It's still a Premier League game. Um, and you can't you can't be like that. So it's disappointing. I mean, I don't. What do you think, Dan? Do you think they did turn up thinking, well, as long as we turn up and do that, we'll, we'll walk this? Yeah, I think they did. To be honest, I think you know, like I say, there was this air of almost a swagger, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But like I say, we weren't really rolling over teams. You know, if you were winning three nil, four nil, you'd be like, yes, you know, we're going to hit it at United. We're going to be absolutely fine. But yeah. You know, Ultimately, scraping wins, to, you know, let's be honest. But I do feel, you know, if you looked at social media, it was almost like, yep, this one's in the bag. And, you know, Mourinho would have loved to get one over United last night. And that one's going to really hurt, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And and that's why I'm surprised that he, in you know, you, know, you would have thought even more in the dressing room. Um, and maybe, that, maybe this is the problem, isn't it, that we're saying? Maybe he kind of didn't want to kind of stamp that authority in the changing room this early in case it was seen as, oh, here we go, look. This lasted a couple of games, whereas maybe from now on he will realise, well, actually, I, I need to make sure that these players switch on in the changing room and that they don't go out on that pitch as blasé. So maybe, you know, last night was depressing, but it might just be that one defeat and the wake-up call that makes, you know, Jose realise he needs to, like, you know, actually, I can't mess, you know, mollycoddle this lot. I do need to get into them a little bit. And you kind of think, although, you know, from the players, we've heard it so often, isn't we? You know, we learn and go again, you know. How many times have we heard that recently? And you think, well, come on, how many how many defeats or failures do you guys need before you do actually learn from one? Um, so, yeah, maybe it's going to be more Jose who actually brings that mentality with him. For all this overconfidence, you know, even within those first five minutes, we didn't start the game well. And that was compounded even more when Rashford scored. I mean, admittedly, it was a good effort, a lot of power behind the strike, but... And I think you've already sort of covered this. You've got to be asking a lot of questions about Gazaniga, not only for that, but also his future as the real long-term number one. Yeah, I, I had high hopes for Gazaniga when he first came in. You know, I saw him the first few games and he's thinking, wow, we could have a really good goalkeeper here. You know, seemed a good shot stopper, good distribution. But the last few games, you know, the, the saves he's making, they don't, you know, they don't fill you with confidence. You know, he spills a few. Um, when he pushes them away, they're not fully away with confidence. You know, the goals he's conceding, you kind of think, oh, you know, should have done better with this, should have done better with that one. I, I kind of think we probably are going to be in a situation where in the summer, maybe, um, we'll look for a new long-term number one because... Obviously, when Larice comes back, I think he'll walk into that position. Um, I think he'll take that number one straight back. Um, but then in the summer, I do believe we might have to look at a long-term, right, yeah, younger, new number one. Because uh, maybe Gazaniga is going to be a good number two when he has to maybe fill in in the Cups or, you know, the odd game here and there in the league. But actually, long-term, he might not have what it takes to, to kind of be a, a top four number one um, and those that sort of goal last night conceding sets you right on the back foot and and yeah it, it, it just causes your problems 
I mean, he's not Roberto bad, let's put it that way. But, no. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in all honesty, this is the golden opportunity he'll get. Because when you're a young goalkeeper, you know, I know he's, what, 23, I can't remember the exact age, but he's in and around that age. And when you're at that age, you know, being a goalkeeper, you only really get one chance to get a game because you can't really play anywhere else. So to be given that chance, he's not really grabbing hold of it and saying, right, this is my shirt, Larice. You've got to get it off me. Like you say, when Larice is fit, it's a case of, right, it's mine now. I'm taking it back. So it's a shame, really, because like I say, he had all the hallmarks of being probably the long-term heir apparent. You know, the transition should and could have been quite smooth, but it's looking quite a lot away from that. However, one positive, and I guess the only real player coming away with any credit in a Tottenham shirt, Deli Alley. Not only is he getting better, but he's now doing the outrageous again. That goal, dare I say, shades of Crystal Palace away, you know, that outrageous volley with last night's leveller. Yeah, I mean, that was sublime, wasn't it? You know, the touch to get it over the shoulder and, and then the calmness to finish because, you know, he had the Gaia bearing down on him very quickly and could have panicked. Um, it, it was a sublime piece of skill. And, and that's only a good thing, isn't it? Because each time he scores a goal like that, we'll just get that confidence flowing again. And as you say, last night, he's probably, you know, one, you know, that, that goal is probably the only highlight and, and bit of warm comfort you can take from the game. Um, you know, again, and the comfort that he came out afterwards and said, no, nah, you know, we, we were a bit too cocky here. So you can see that maybe, you know, he's actually going to flourish under Jose, and, which, which is, can only be good for us because if we suddenly get that old Deli Alley back who does stuff like that, then that, that's a, a real key player for us and, and one that will score us plenty of goals, plenty of assists um, and hopefully helps get your you know within in top fours and helps you win things um so yeah that was sublime and i think dan i know you know we were up for var but if they'd ruled that out for handball we i was ready to riot oh yeah absolutely i mean <laughs> that would have been it for me would have been over would have been that's it i get mean bar. you're watching that one and you're sort of thinking in your mind how is that handball but with the letter of the law you thought sort of think to yourself well it probably will be handball now but like you say if that had been disallowed i uh, you know, you probably were just giving up at that point because how is that really handball? I mean, to be honest, we could go on about that so much, but we won't because we've got a little bit more to talk about <laughs> and it will just, everyone will switch off at this point. But that goal is scored and it's tipped the balance and you think, yeah, we've not deserved it, but we're going to go in at half time, just about unscathed. And you think, right, a good team talk, that will change the complexion of things. And you think, right, we can kick on from here and who knows? Unfortunately, five minutes into the second half, Moussa Sissoko has other ideas. It was crazy, wasn't it, Dan? Because uh, I'm like you. You're thinking, well, somehow we've managed to get in level. And, yeah, if Jose can rip into him, change something up, then then you were thinking we could now come out and win this game, you know, second half, because we can't play any worse. But when you've got a player who goes and does what he does so early again in the, in the half, it just completely demoralises everyone, doesn't it? Because you just think, we've done all that work to get back in this. And you go and make a brain-dead tackle like that in the box, you know. Should never have got turned as easy as he did. And it happened on Saturday for the second Bournemouth goal. And then, once you know the bloke's in front of you and now charging into the box, you don't stick your foot out and do anything ridiculous. Because we know players will go down nowadays. And you have to question the football brain. And, and it completely took all the momentum out of you. You know, as a fan... You know, it's a bit like that Champions League final, isn't it? You've got all that excitement and you're feeling confident and then straight away, bang, someone does something that you go off. 
you know, for fuck's sake, that's it now. Well, this is now trouble because now they're going to camp back in and now we've got to start all over again. And I think it just killed everyone. You know, it, it kills you as a fan, doesn't it? You know, you slump down and like, oh, I don't believe this. It must you know, have the same effect on the players. You know, they go, oh, brilliant. Thanks, mate. Just brain dead. Um, and yeah, he's got to hold his hands up for that one because it's just one of them that if, you know, if that's your teammate, you just want to strangle him at that point. So the defence of the midfield has been pretty much lamented in this, what, 25 minutes or so. But let's say the attack had no real credit either. Is it one of those nights where Harry Kane, let's be honest, went missing? But when he does, it almost as if the performance comes from the top down. And if it's not working for him, it filters through to the rest. Yeah, I, I think I think so, Dan. I think you're right. Because, yeah, you, you could kind of tell from early on that Kane wasn't really on it. Even his passing and control was kind of lax, wasn't it? And and not the usual Kane that we kind of know when he's on fire. You're thinking, well, even if he's not scoring, he'll be, he'll be setting them up and his passing will be brilliant. So, yeah, he's kind of like if he sets that tone early doors, you think, oh, this, this is not going to be good. Um and yeah, and, and again, I suppose that's the problem when you don't have someone that you you can bring on, can you? You know, because Kane shouldn't be exempt from being hauled off if he's not performing. You know, if you had another striker on the bench that you could throw on and say, "Well, sorry, mate, it's not your night. We're going to give this guy a go," but that's something we don't have. Um, and and yeah, like you know, it, it just seems that none of them were firing. You know, Son wasn't firing, Mora wasn't firing. Um, and then once those, if those fronts sort of free and not doing it, um, then we're, they were kind of banging trouble because we don't really have that dynamic player also to bring off the bench. Um, but yeah, Kane shouldn't be exempt because he was last night. He, he was utterly dreadful, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, you look at someone like Lucas up against Ashley Young, really should have had him on toast last night, went missing. But you raise a very good point, actually, when it comes to Kane. Will Mourinho have the balls to sub him off if it's not working well or will it be simply a lack of plan B that will keep him on the pitch and is that a bad thing if he's going to be, keep playing 90 minutes especially with his dodgy ankles and sort of slightly iffy injury history I think that is it isn't it it's the fact that you don't have no one else you could bring on you know if you had a say a Vardy or someone in your squad that you kind of knew is like well if it's not your night I'm bringing him on um, then you kind of think Kane has got that you know, he, has, he does know he has to put a shift in and a performance in. But I do think you are right, Dan. I think it will be the fact that we don't have anyone else that means Kane quite often will stay on the pitch for 90 minutes. Um, and maybe we're seeing the fact that, you know, too many games in a row and Kane actually can't do that anymore with him ankles, you know. Was that maybe the reason last night he was support? You know, were his ankles playing him up? But he's got to try and get through it. Um, and as you say, I think it's more than no plan B that could cause us a problem. And again, that's something that if you really want to progress, January, you'd need to look at. But, you know, you can't buy a hole in New 11 in January, can you? It's not going to be feasible. So in January, we'll just be buying where we really need to desperately to get us through to the end of the season. Um, but I, I think you're right, Dan. I think no plan B is where the problem is. Right, that's enough whinging about Manchester United and the uh, poor performance at Old Trafford. Let's look ahead very quickly to the weekend and it's time for the predictions game. So, after our overconfidence on Monday's show, no one added to their points tally. So, Carl, you're still top with four points. The guests on three, I'm on two, James is on one. So, because James is gone rogue, he's AWOL, he gets a 100-0 win for Burnley on Saturday, as do the guests. <laughs> so, Carl, <laughs> you get... <laughs> We're in here, Dan. We We're are. in here. We've got a shout this week. We can't lose. So, Cole, you're up first. What's going to be the score on Saturday? 
Well, I think, obviously, we can't keep a clean sheet at the moment, but I'm going to go for a 3-1. I think we'll see a reaction, to be honest, from that game. I, I do think we will see Mourinho kind of shake them up a little bit, um, and I think the players will go out to, to put a performance in, but we can't keep a clean sheet. So, 3-1 for me, then. OK, mate, I'll take a 2-1. Pretty much the same reasons, but I just think we'll edge it, because I think we usually tend to edge it against Burnley, either that or a 0-0, but I think we'll, I think we'll win... I think the right act will finally be read properly and I think we'll bounce back to uh, to winning ways. So hopefully on Monday we'll have more of a positive mood to uh, to dissect over the weekend. So, Cole, thanks for your uh, 30 minutes or so. A sterling effort as always. No worries, Dan. Enjoyed that, mate. Those, these therapy, those therapy sessions always help, you know, help stop stop kicking the dog or the cat, don't you? And you can now uh, like, go into the weekend more confident. If you're listening, Carl doesn't actually kick his dog or cat every time. No, nah, it's the missus normally gets it then after a game like that. Might have to cut that one out. But anyway, right. Before we leave, if you have any questions or comments or if you're the RSPCA, uh, send them into at DanTracy1983 or at COS underscore COM, any dog complaints, send them to them, not me. Engagement is what we want, as we can discuss the points you want to hear. Also, if you do want to be on the show, there's always a seat spare, so get in touch with me on my personal Twitter account. With that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.